Thank you, guys. We we have. I was going to run you through an old song that everybody knows, but I don't know if our sound's connected. So, if we get it done, and also we got to get kicked out of here at nine, which is like <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous, actually. But this is a university, you know. Nine, the end of the world comes. So, um, I have been given a task to take you through, and it. Uh, do you mind me using PowerPoints? I hate PowerPoints. They have no power and they have no points. <laughs> but And this should be an avatar presentation in three dimensions hanging above you, but times are hard. So <laughs> I'm just going to go through these very fast. Um, I have no religious background. I want to apologize for that. I also apologize for my weird name. I'm not a gay purple Teletubby. I just need <laughs> you to know that. So... My ambition in life was to be a scientist, and I accomplished that for seven solid years. I had a lab. I had my first lab inside a bush. It was really cool. And uh, my father was a professional cyclist, and he made bikes, and so one of the things he made was uh, um, he'd clean up these metal things with uh, hydrochloric acid. And, you know, if you're a kid and you have a bottle of hydrochloric acid, it's better than getting stoned. That's amazing. Uh, because you can dissolve things with hydrochloric acid. You can pour it on cement and it goes <laughs> like this. And so to have a bottle of hydrochloric acid was awesome. So we had a, um, uh, a... By high school, I had a better lab than the high school did. And university, I had a better lab than the university. Now, I'm not CSI, so I want to apologize for that too. But again, times are hard. Uh, I met the Lord... Uh, in the last three months of high school. And it, he so radically changed my life. Um, I, I never got over it, actually. And so because I met him when I was a teenager, I was only 16, uh, came 17 later that year. When I went to university, um, it was kind of a weird experience, and most of you know this. Uh, I had never seen God do things in people's lives, but I saw him do them that very first year I was there. So I haven't got time to tell you all the amazing things that can happen, but I do want to say this. If you've never met the Lord, he's astonishing. He is not very religious. I, that may shock some of you, but he really isn't religious. And knowing him is not about a religious thing at all. It is about returning to a proper relationship with the one who designed and made us. So the beauty of Jesus is, is just the way he, he does stuff. He just talks, and he expects you <laughs> to listen, you see. He, he said to me, say goodbye to your career and just do something else. I said, yeah. Like, I've, I've worked for seven solid years on this. I pulled the two top marks in chemistry in my nation two years in a row, and now he's telling me to do something else? So look at me. I, I can't even lift things onto a garbage truck if I'm going to be a garbage collector but he had a bunch of other stuff for me. So. And the trouble with Jesus is he acts like he's God or something. <laughs> you know, he talks to people and he just says, follow me. And he doesn't even explain things sometimes. You know, at least it should be a three-point message, shouldn't it? Like, follow me, please, or please follow me. It's just like, follow me. And he just expects this poor tax collector up there called Zacchaeus. He's up a tree. And Jesus goes, Zac, Zach's hiding up a tree. You would too if you were a tax collector. He's up there and, and he says, Zach, come out of your tree. So Zach falls out of his tree. And then he says, I'm coming to your house. 
today for lunch. Right. So he runs home. Mrs. Zack is there. Here comes her husband running up the drive. He's going, guess who's going for lunch today? Jesus and the 12 disciples. So there's a look. You ladies know this look. It's the look you look at an idiot. She's looking at him like, and here's Jesus coming, you know. Zach, are you crazy? You invite Jesus and the 12 disciples to lunch. You don't even bother to tell me. Oh, hi, Jesus. Just come right in. And she's got Zach as Jesus coming. Why didn't you invite him to lunch? And that's what he says. I didn't invite him. He just invited himself. <laughs> he talks like he's God or something. He talks like he's the rightful owner of the world. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he actually is. So he's got quite a right to do that. So I'm going to show you a bit of this. Are you ready? Can you? I know you're brilliant. And, and if we run out of time, I'm just going to hold the keys down. You're going to be like, oh. yes, yes, I, I got that. So here's two things. I want to give you this one fast. I'm actually trying to do two different deals. Uh, this first one I'm going to call, God, it's a strange thing, but some of you know this. If he's really God, the real God, not some fake made-up God, if he's really God and he's the designer of all of us, he made us, he made the universe, he made all these things. If that is true, then when he speaks, you ought to listen to him. If he's not just like uh, an infinite father, if he really is who he says he is, he knows you better than anybody else in the universe. He loves you more than you can imagine. He is the scariest person <laughs> I've ever met, and yet the funniest and the most amazing. So to know him means everything shifts in your life. Your entire life shifts. You can't do it yourself like, like he can do it. So he just says, do this, and you do it, and then boom. All kinds of so if you've never done this, then don't don't leave before that happens to you. I'm going to give you these very fast, all right? Uh, you can all see them up there. I don't know what the fat that is. Oh, yeah, that's just part of the thing. All right, cool. Here's the first one. Uh, I, had a, I had a person ask me, and um, I was in a university, and I was talking. He said, he said excuse me, I've got a question. I said, yeah, what's the question? He said, um, how come uh, God has a right on our life? Why, why should we listen to Jesus? And I'm always interested in options and alternatives. And I said, well, who would you like uh, to listen to? He said, why doesn't it have to be Jesus? Why can't it be somebody else? I said, like who, for instance? He said, well, being modest and humble and unassuming. He said, like me, for instance. Why don't people just follow me and do what I say? <laughs> and I say, that's easy. You're not smart enough and you're not good enough. Sit down. <laughs> this is what I found about him. He really does have a right on their lives. I'll show you this very fast. But that basis of right is not power. Now, how many of you girls are not married? Put your hands up if you're not married. Guys, did you see these hands? All right. They will be there for a while. And you girls, if I said to you, there's a boyfriend, he really loves you, and he just wants you to be his wife, you go, okay. <laughs> Who is this? 
And, and he says, and this guy says he has the right to be your husband. Oh, really? That's <laughs> what you say, Max. And, and, then, and then I ask you, why would he have the right to be your husband? And what if I said, well, he's bigger than you? Does that give him a right to be your husband? No, I mean, it might be nice. He can beat up other people that you can't beat up. <laughs> but then you might be able to beat up people better than him. <laughs> what, what if I said he's more powerful than you? Uh, if I added this one, he was wealthier than you, you'd probably go, well, that's possible. <laughs> that would be a good thing. I've been to college too long. And, you know, um, but there's a, do a dozen different reasons why people think you don't have a right to tell me what to do. I'm my own person. Why should you have any right to do anything? So I'll quickly show you this about God because he's the only one who qualifies on this. Okay? Here's the first one. The right of Jesus is not founded on his power or on his ability to control things because the weird thing about those two things, his power, and it is infinite. He can do amazing things. He could turn you into Kermit the Frog if he wanted to, but he doesn't do stuff like that. You know why? Because he made you like him, which means you really get choices. There's a lot of people in the world today think there's no real choices at all. That this is like a movie and it's running and it can be a scary movie or it could be a funny movie, but you can't change the movie. You just watch the movie. But according to Scripture and according to the way our DNA is made, choices are real. Choices really make differences. You can do this and not do it. You can have a particular gene that only works, you think it only works this way, but it can flick one way or another depending on the words that are said and the choices that are made. So it's important that you make right choices in your life. So this thing here about him, his right uh, is not based, the right or the reason why we would be a, we should always say, you're the boss, do, you tell me what to do and I'll do it, is not basically rooted on his power or his control or those things because even if he could use them, he doesn't use them on you. Do, does that sound weird? It's not, actually. It's not weird because he said, I want you to make decisions. Then he doesn't take them away from you because you made the wrong one. Imagine if... Um, there was a dumb doll years ago. It was called Chatty Cathy. It was a stupid doll. You know, didn't <laughs> and they didn't even have cool systems inside. So they, had a, a, they actually had a little record player. You ever even remember record players? It's called vinyls now, and we think it's really cool. But Chatty Cathy had a, one of these dumb little things, and you pulled a string. Bleep. Aye. Bleep. And it depends. If you pull too much, you broke the string and Chatty. Chatty Cathy didn't chat anymore. <laughs> Hi, my name is Cathy. You know, so you pulled it different ways. I don't know. Didn't seem to talk much after a week. <laughs> but God didn't make you Chatty Cathy. He didn't build you in with strings to pull. He made you like him. And because of that, he gives you options, real options in life. And he'll tell you about them. You don't have to do them. But if you don't, three things will happen. You'll get stupider and stupider 
and stupid. You'll do things in 10 years' time, and you'll look back to this time and go, I was smarter than this when I was in college. Why in the fat am I doing that now? <laughs> because you kept on doing dumb things, and after a while you get used to it. You think Dumb and Dumber is a dumb movie. You want to see number four. Dumb and big, really dumb. So here's the thing. The reason, Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So what you're looking at, he's saying this, I want you to see what I'm like. I want you to understand what I'm like. And when you get a choice between two things, something like this and something like that, you make choices based on the value of what you look at. So if you're going to buy clothes or something, dress, say you see this, this dress or something, and it's in one of these second-hand stores, but you look at it, and it, you realize it's something that Princess Diana used to use. It's like that. You look at it, and you go, shoot, isn't that the, isn't that? And you're looking at it, and you see the thing, and it goes, a hundred dollars, and you think a hundred. That thing, see that? So you, you think it's probably wrong, and so you go to the company trying to cover the cost of it. And you go, "Could I? Could I buy this?" He goes, "Yes, yeah, it'll be a hundred dollars." And you go, "Thank you, mine." And then you go, "Um, isn't this the dress that Princess Diana said?" Actually, yes, it is. It is. But 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 this is a hundred dollars. Oh yes, but didn't you see the little tear on the side of it? She had two of them. The other one is down there too. It's three thousand dollars, but it doesn't have the tear. Which one are you going to pick? Well, if you're in college, you're going to have to pick the hundred dollars <laughs> because you'll never get that other dress. You understand? But the choices that you make are based on the value and the worth of what you're looking at. So if you've got half a brain cell, you're not going to pick something less when the ultimate worth of the thing becomes obvious to you. Our problem is we don't know what's important and we don't know what's valuable. So Jesus' whole thing is, I want you to see what I'm like. I want you to know what I'm trying to ask of you. And that is why I want you to make those decisions. So we'll do it fast. There is a way that religious people will try to make you do things but it is more based on two things. I'll call them th uh, threat and bribe. It'd go like this. The first one's threat. If you do this, I'm going to burn your rear end. You know, th it's not said like that. It's always said, it is very bad for you if you do that. <laughs> or the other one is, if you don't do this, you won't get these things. Here's the following thing. That is called threat or bribe. And in any society... You, you'll be asked sometimes to conform to the law because of those two things. If, you, if there's a little law that says do not drive at 200 miles an hour down the road right outside this university, you don't have to obey it. It's just that if you don't, then there will be various people there with guns and stuff <laughs> that will stop you. And if you think, I, I can get away, I can drive even faster, they'll bring tanks out and blow you out of the... <laughs> <laughs> because, because the decisions you make should match the thing that, that's significant and important. A lot of the laws we make up are stupid laws. You, you know what I'm talking about. 
Sometimes we get presidents that make up stupid laws. Cheer up, you're going to get another one soon, and we'll see how good that is. Okay. So, there's a, there's a uh, passage in the Bible. <laughs> I've got like three minutes to give you this entire thing. There's a, a story in Matthew 13. It's quite simple. It talks about a man. Uh, I've, always, I've always thought of close encounters of the third kind <laughs> in this one. Um, there's a man, and he's walking through town, and he's, makes a sh- cuts, he's got a short cut, and he sees people uh, uh, pulling down some old buildings, and they're, they're just, it's a big sign for sale. They're going to sell this section. And uh doesn't seem to be any there, so he thinks he'll take a shortcut, and he walks across. And then as he's walking, he trips on a box. Some, there's something deep buried there, and he trips on it, and nearly breaks his foot. So he looks down, and he's broken off the edge of the box, and he thinks, what is that? He puts his hand down, and it feels like it's scary putting your hand in the box. You might have <coughs> and pull out some zombie or something. You know. So you... <laughs> Puts his hand in, but it seems like there's a bunch of stuff down there. And he pulls and he pulls and he pulls. And then something comes out, and it's a shiny coin. It's like a deep yellow color. It's quite heavy. So anyway, looking at it, and he can't get it at the box. So he walks. And as he's coming through town, he sees a, a jewelry store. And he goes in and he goes, puts this down. And he goes, excuse me, what's this? And the guy looks at it and he goes, Excuse me. And he goes at the back and he's calling. He comes back. Where, where did you get this? I, uh, I found it. He said, uh, whereabouts did you find it? I just found it. And he says, uh, is it worth anything? He says, yes. What is it? It's a rare Roman coin. It's gold. Uh, how much is it worth? Well, I'll give you uh, $20 for it. No, I think I'll keep it. $100? No, I think I'll keep it. $400? No. <laughs> How much is it worth? About $4,000. He's thinking of that box. He's thinking of the box. Now he goes, rushes back to the thing, and there's two people standing there looking. They go, yeah, we could buy this field. Of course, we'll have to dig it up. We could put like a parking garage or something in there. We'll have to dig. And he's trying to stand in front of the box like, Man. And when they go, he, <laughs> he still can't get it out. But something comes out, and it's about this big. It's red, and it's glassy looking. And he goes to another jeweler this time, and he gets this thump. Excuse me. The guy goes out the back. Uh, FBI, has there been any major... <laughs> Where did you get this? I... Uh, Really? <laughs> Do you know what this is? Uh, no. It is a ruby. A ruby? Yes, a ruby. Not a glass. Th- it's a ruby. How much is it worth? Uh, I don't know. Maybe four million? Maybe more. He's thinking of that box. He's thinking of those two guys who are going to buy it. So it says this. He rushes back to his house. He doesn't bother to take a bus. He runs faster than the bus. He bursts in. He says to his wife, sell the house. Sell the car. Sell the child. Oh, wait a minute. We've got to keep the child. (laughs) 
sell everything. And she goes, why? This is like Close Encounters. Why are you building that thing in the middle? Why? We're going to buy a field. <laughs> so everybody goes, it just, just, you know, that's idiot, man. He's been buying this field. And he's put like a big fence around it, you know, and stuff like that. And he's just digging away there. He's crazy. Do you think he's crazy? When he pulls that box out, it's about 20 foot long and it's loaded. He can not only buy the field, he can buy the town, he can buy the state, he can buy the country and a few others beside. Did he make a wrong choice when for joy he went and sold everything he had to buy the field? When you see the value of a thing, it is worth everything that you've got and everything you have to see it. And that's the way God has a right on our lives. I've got to go very far. <laughs> this is terrible. So point to him. There's uh, two other parables. A merchant seeking goodly pearls, it says, he finds a pearl of great price. He sells everything else. By the way, any of you stamp collectors? People used to collect stamps, okay? So I any of you are stamp collectors? I, I had a bunch of stamps when I was a kid. I like, kept all these stamps. But if you are a stamp collector and you just happen to have a, it, it's just like, it's just one stamp. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like this funny looking little black looking stamp and I don't tell you it's the rarest stamp in the world I don't tell you that there's un they've only found two of them wouldn't it be awful though if you found that and you bought it and it cost you everything to get that single stamp and then then you find there's another one so you, you do a weird thing you and your wife comes up going uh, the stamp. So, yeah. What did you do with it? I burned it. You burned it? Why? Now my stamp is unique. I burned it, she said. <laughs> that is a bad move. <laughs> the slender you have, the value of the fine motivates the sacrifice and surrender all else. Such surrender is voluntary. It just has to be voluntary. It has to be with everything. It costs, whatever it costs, whatever you have, this is worth more. That's the point. And it should be glad I if people say, you just get excited. Oh, yes, I can get rid of this too because I still want to buy that field. Okay? Now I go fast. Ah! Wait, wait, wait. The kingdom of heaven, the, th the real kingdom of heaven, is rooted and founded in love and trust, not in rules. You need to understand something, and that is about God's law. God's law is not an invention. He, he's infinitely smart, and what he does is he shows us what thing, how things are like, and not just religious things. He shows us how things are, and the more we've discovered about what the universe is like, the more mind-blowing it becomes. We realize there's stuff we never even dreamed about that's right there, and we've just been looking at it all these years, and we still didn't understand it. So, key thing you need to know is that the law is a description of reality, but it is not a motivation. So, make that simple. If I said to you, yea, verily, if you jump off a 40-story building without a hang glider, without a Spider-Man spray, without a bungee cord, because I'm from New Zealand, we invented bungee jumping, or maybe a Batman suit, or if you're Superman, you don't even need your cape. You could do that. 
If you jump off a 40-story building, you will accelerate at 32 foot a second a second. And when you strike your head against the cement, you shall be paced. That is called a law. You don't have to believe that. You can go and watch a Robin Williams movie. <laughs> don't watch Robin Williams movies because he's gone now. You could say, he, I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. But you'll still die. Your ideas are not going to change law. So when God gives us law, you need to know this. It is not a motivation. It's not why you should do something. It's a description of what happens if you do something, if you don't do something. So when you make it the reason why you do things, that's the, that's the trying to, is it good for me or bad for me? But what if it's something good for somebody else? See that? So God's laws are descriptions of reality, but not motivation. The reason I follow Jesus and love him is because he's awesome. I put him first, not because he made me, or if, if I don't, I'm going to burn, and if I do, it'll be, you know, there'll be angels singing, and all that stuff. I don't fat care about angels very much, and I probably wouldn't like their music anyway. Um, but, but knowing him and knowing what he's like is astonishing. So the, if you're going to enter God's kingdom, and it's not, I'll just put it like this, you can't get a visitor's pass. You can't come in for like a day, I'll check it out, if I don't like it. This is how you get in. You die. What, what did you say? <laughs> you die. <laughs> That's how you get in. Of course, once you die, he can make you somebody different. I had a girl call me years ago from some other place, Hawaii or something, and it was like six in the morning. I, I don't speak English until ten. I just got to bed at three or four, and then this call. So I, my poor wife answers the phone. She says, Hello, and I'm, the, you know, I'm still gone. And then she says, could could I talk to Winky Pratney? She, she says, Winky, there's a girl wants to talk. I said, What in the fat does he want? It's like six in the morning. What? Yeah. So I said quietly, What in the fat does he want? So I'm listening to her, and she goes, Um. Are you Winky Pratt? I said, yes. She said, I'm thinking of killing myself. And it was a strange thing because about that time I was thinking exactly the same thing. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean you're going to kill yourself? She said, well, you know, I'm, I'm just sick of my life and I'm thinking of killing myself. So I thought I'd give you a call to let you know that. And I said that, didn't you watch that old movie where the guy, oh, my love, you know that thing? You're watching the beautiful pot being made and, and then you don't know that the guy <laughs> who's in love with the girl making the pot is going to get killed in about five minutes and this is just the start of the movie. I said, didn't you watch that? Didn't, didn't you see what happened to the bad guys in that when they died? There was these little little skateboarding dark <laughs> and took him away again. Didn't you watch that? You think, don't you, that if you kill yourself, everything will be beautiful and you won't have any bad feelings, you won't feel hurt anymore. I said, if you die and you're left like that, who's going to get you out of that? And I said, look, I know what you want. You want to have your old life finished. I said, you call the right person. I know an executioner. He's very good. 
Now it's silent on the other end. I said, I said yeah, he's really good. He, he can kill you properly. You will not do it right because you've already screwed up your life. You'll probably miss, miss this up too. You've got to shoot yourself and you just blow your ear off and have to get it restored or something. Or you'll lock yourself in a garage and you'll be sucking. You heard somewhere that, that you know, you could, so you'll suck on a, <laughs> and you just burn your mouth. And, you know, you just screw that up too. So, but my executioner friend is really good. Now she thinks, did I call Freddie? Did I call, who, who is it that I was just talking to? Like? And, and so I told her about my executioner friend who happens to be the one who designed people. And so I got a lovely, I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you did really die? And then there's just like a little gravestone that said, here lies your name, you know. She lived, she died. That was all. She screwed up everything and she's gone now. You know? But wouldn't it be cool if after you died, somebody could just take you and clean out, leave everything behind, all the things that you've done that screwed your life up and to start again, and that you become like a little girl again, and you start all over again. Isn't that what you really want? And she said, yes. I said, that's what my execution friend did. So I told him a little while about what I'd show you if I had another half an hour to show you this. Got a lovely call from the ex-corpse about <laughs> two uh, weeks later, just a letter. She said, dear Winky, thank you. <laughs> I met the executioner. I'm never going to screw like that up again. And she didn't. I met her later. She really, life was changed. Why? Because he really does what he says. Do you understand? You can't come into his kingdom doing your own thing. You've got to lay down whatever it costs, whatever. In, is, it, is it worth it? Yes, it is. There are millions of people around the world from all different nations, all different languages, who have found, yes, it really, really is worth it. So that's the end. Ah! Yes, I've got five minutes. Look at this. These are just verses of Scripture. I don't want you to have some kind of religious thing that's about, here's my son. I know. Yes, my dear son. This is my awesome son. Isn't he awesome? He's down here to tell me things. So... <laughs> I just showed you these. I can't right now. Point two. <laughs> there is a word that is used of Christ. It is called the Lord. It simply means the boss. Boss of everything. So, I mentioned to you earlier that it's possible to become religious but not actually have your life changed. And I didn't have time to show you these three different kinds. You can be, have a very r legal religious life or you can have a life that's socially acceptable. You like hanging out with nice people and not being an addict anymore or, or being a mass murderer or something. That's always nice too. And then carnal is you just choose your own way and you do whatever you think and you hope that that works out good. But in the scriptures, you don't have a salvation without a surrender. And the scripture uses the phrase, you must admit or confess or in, in effect transform 
the ownership of your life and give back to him what he actually really owns. If he is God, he's the father of all of us, the original father, not the one that screwed your life up that was <laughs> horrible and you, if I said father, you ah, not that, not that one, but the real father, the father you should have had, should I put it like that. He is like that. But you've got to make the choice. You, you, can't, you can't just invent something. So he's not, the Bible says he's not only savior of those who believe, he already is the boss of everything. So you're not doing something weird. You're simply returning to normal. We don't have to come to a divided Christ. People think, um, I'm going to trust in Christ's works. But it's him. They're talk you're talking about him, not what he does. It's like me standing and getting married and I say, you know, I accept my wife as my portable dishwasher. You know, <laughs> I'm not marrying what she does. I'm marrying her. She's become now my love of my life, you see. And with God, it's got to be like that. It, we, salvation is not a gift of eternal life distinct from Christ. You need to know this. This is the record. This is 1 John 5.12. This is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that, in this present continuous sense, is having the Son of God, is having the life. He that is not having the Son of God is not having the life. The wrath of God abides on him. Some people think the wrath of God is he's just angry and he's ticked off sometimes. The wrath of God is a, a scary idea, but it simply goes like this. If you really want to live the way he says you shouldn't, one day you'll stand before him and he will be very sad because he told you. And it's called in the Bible not the wrath of the lion, but the wrath of the lamb. I'm from a country called New Zealand. We had a lot of sheep. We had 80 million sheep and only 2 million people. Now we've got like 4 million people and a lot less sheep. But lambs, lambs are, they are the most helpless. All of God's creatures... You know, this even koalas. I like koalas, okay? I actually had a koala hug me, which was really cool. But I didn't try and hug him back because if you hug a koala, you think you're trying to break his <laughs> bones and that out of the <laughs> koala come these big <laughs> like this, he'll get you. So so I'm there. I'm a little kid and it's Easter time and I see some bunch of my uncles all in a big circle. I don't know what they're doing. And I'm, I run up and I jam my head in between their legs to see what they're doing. They're actually slaughtering a lamb, not for some religious reason. It's, it's Easter time. <laughs> they want to make a roast lamb. So this, But I walk in there just as this little helpless little thing like this. And one's holding his head back and the other one... <laughs> and I, I'm three years old and I see the... And this, I... I, it so freaked me out. I think I ran for a whole mile jumping over things. <laughs> I, I thought, why, why, why did they just, did they kill that lamb? Never been a wolf or something. That's different, you know. Shoot that sucker. But not, <laughs> not this thing, not the one that's lying there, see. Because, you see, a lamb doesn't even have teeth it properly, properly. It's like that. See that? That's not bite you like this. It doesn't have claws. It's just got... <laughs> Dumb little things and lambs. Lambs are like they like this. Wee, wee, wee. They're like that. You know, they're not even. <laughs> so if you stood before God and you thought what you're going to see, 
is this lion. <laughs> like this, you know. Ah, I see that. The Bible uses this strange phrase, the wrath of the lamb. Have you ever seen an angry lamb? <laughs> like, like you, the lambs don't do that. True blood, wolves do that. Vampires do that, but not lambs. The wrath of the lamb is this. The lamb never intended any harm to anyone. Never wanted to see anybody hurt. Died to make that possible to take the place you and I belong in. And that lamb is the one sitting on the throne looking at you. And you'll realize this, and the Bible says, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that he really is what the Bible says he is, the Lord. Because when they look at the one who's sitting on the throne, they won't see some angry, vicious one that just has been dying to take care of you because you screwed up awesomely. He'll see somebody who is utterly sad that you're getting what you asked for and that the end of the life you've chosen comes out the way you thought you wanted and you didn't do what he said. I want you to leave that in mind because when we talk about the Lord, you're talking about the most lovely being in the universe who wants you to be as awesome as you can possibly be, who never intends any harm for you at all. Here's the lion too. You know what happened to the witch <laughs> that thought he was dead? You remember the Narnia movie? Where and you see the witch when she comes back. You know, she, she's killed him. She's killed him. And she's wearing something. You know what it is? You've ever seen it? She's actually wearing his mane because she always wanted to be the lion. You see? She's got this on there and she's looking, yes, this is what happened to the lion until the lion comes back and she goes, oh, shoot. And they don't show you that part of the movie or it'd be X-rated instead of a G. So let's close in prayer. God really is the boss of the universe. You've never done that. You need to do that. You need to give your life to us. It's not a big thing, but it's a scary thing. Remember this? Okay, my life's screwed. I've done a, a stupid thing. I really would like to know your reality, who you are, and everything. You have to make that choice. I can't make it for you. No church can make it for you. You do it yourself. And a good time to do it is at university. really is. Because this is the time you get to make your major decisions. Ten years' time, you'll know, not just what you learned here, but what you learned about what you didn't learn here, you're going to be taking with you. I would love to see you awesome. I'd love to see you... In 10 years' time, being the ones, you will be the ones who are stepping into the leadership, not only of this country, but of other countries. And I want you not to screw it up. I want it to be awesome for you. Father, I thank you for what you've done in the world. And we do pray. Thank you for Kai Alpha and for uh, meetings like this where we can just hang out together. I know what you're like. I know what you've done in my life and I know what you've done in my family's life. And I've spent 54 of these past years telling people about what you really are like. So tonight, we just ask for those who have never ever made that choice to decide tonight to do it, not to fool around. Find some little place where they can be on their own 
and say to you, I'm sorry, I never even thought about you, but I want to know now. Will you take me? Will you empty up and finish off my old life and start me all over again? And I promise you, I'll honor you as my boss for the rest of my life. Amen. God bless you guys.